that woman deserves her revenge and we deserve to die. Kill Bill, coming up on The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a podcast about movies. Welcome, everybody, to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, a podcast about movies. This episode is a very special episode. Um, This is Guy that made this movie, has also made a bunch of other incredible movies. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to say about this man. He's definitely my favorite director of all time, Quentin Tarantino, and... I believe this is his first intro into my uh, podcast series. So without further ado, let's do this. Kill Bill, Volume 1. Came out October 10th, 2003. The overview is a retired assassin seeks vengeance after being betrayed by her former team of assassins after... Killing after they killed her friends and fiance, taking her unborn child and putting her in a four year coma in which they thought they killed her. All right, I'm signed in. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino. Let's do this. I'm all in, baby. That's all I needed to hear. This movie is so incredible, so unique. I mean, like, for real, though, where, where can I begin? Simply at the visuals. The costume design, the soundtrack alone to this film, everything is great. The cast, we have Uma Thurman as the bride slash Beatrix slash Kiddo slash LeBron James slash Michael Jordan slash Kobe slash however you want to say it. She does her thing in this film and it is tough. I love, love, love this character. We have David Carradine as Bill. Daryl Hannah as Ellie Driver. Michael Madsen as Bud. Lucy Liu as Oranishi. Vivica A. Fox as Vernita Green. Julie Dreyfus as Sophie Fatale. Ooh. And here I go. Um, Before I begin saying these last few names... Forgive me, because I'm about to butcher these motherfucking names up. We have uh, Chiaki Kuriyama as Gogo Yubari. Shinsi Chiba as Hattori Hanzo. And Chia Hui Chia Hui Lu as Johnny Moe. I think so. If not, I am completely sorry. I hope you can forgive me. And don't come at me with the crazy 88s. I'm fine with that. I'll send I'll send uh, Uma Thurman on your asses. The budget for this film. $30 million. And the box office on opening weekend, it made $22 million alone. 70 million in the US and worldwide 180 million dollars. So um 
safe to say it was a box office smash hit. It was a success. It was a Quentin Tarantino film. That's all I got to say about that, folks. Reviews of this film. 69 green light on Metacritic. 85% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 81%. So, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, like I said, I said it before and I'll say it again. I don't really mess with Rotten Tomatoes like that. And Metacritic's my place to go. But Metacritic, what, what, what happened here? How'd you guys drop the ball? Who, who was, uh, who was doing this rating? A 69? I mean, no offense. I mean, that's a good score and all, but shouldn't it be higher? I would definitely give it a at least an 85. Just like just like Rotten Tomatoes. So I don't get it. This movie needs to be has a, have a higher score. Yes, it has a green light, so I shouldn't be sweating it like that. But come on, a 69. Come on, let's, let's, let's raise that up a couple more. So some of the reviews. A hyper-violent, hyper-gory, kung-fu grindhouse flick. And there's nothing wrong with that. A strange, fun, and densely checked, uh, textured work that gets better as it goes along. And finally, it is the best of Tarantino's films I've seen thus far. So, um, my personal review of this film, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll set it at a, at a cool 85 too. I'll definitely agree with Rotten Tomatoes. Um, give it an 85%. This isn't the first Tarantino movie I've seen. The first one I've seen has to be From Dust Till Dawn. And then behind that one, mm, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I'll say Pulp Fiction. And um, I, and then it's Kill Bill. So Kill Bill was the third one I've seen. That was Tarantino's film. Um, I definitely think this is an iconic Tarantino film. Just like all his other films. If I had to rank Kill Bill within the Tarantino um, universe or Tarantino film, it's got to finish in the top three, am I right? Put it at maybe like mm, two or three. So I'm sticking to it. I'm, that's what I'm sticking to. My review, I definitely give it 85. With it being agreeing with that last line. Well, not nearly agreeing with it. I put it in my top three. Top three Tarantino film alone, it stands out. And it's, and it's definitely... A memorable movie that will live on for a while. Maybe even forever. Movie Awards. 29 wins and 103 nominations. So, um, like I said, if this, if this, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. If it's more than 10 wins, shoot, maybe even 10 is a little bit too high for me. No, I'm just gonna stay like that. If it's more than 10 wins, I'm definitely not going to read all the wins that it has or anything like, like that i'm going to um just focus on the big name ones to me okay so 
stick with me because I'm definitely going to read it right here, right now, here on. Okay, I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm doing. All right, so Uma Thurman won Best Actress at the 2004 Saturn Awards, beating Kate Beckinsale for Underworld, Jamie Lee Curtis for Freaky Friday, Jessica Biel for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Jennifer Connelly for Hulk, and Kate Blanchett for The Missing. So, dang, 2004 has some has some big hits, man. I mean, Underworld, Underworld is pretty good. Freaky Friday is like a Disney movie, but then, you know it's it, it's still um it's still watchable, rewatchable, I guess. You know, I ain't really seen it like that, but I I know it's out there. Definitely, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great horror film. The original and this remake are both really well and stand out. How many of y'all remember the, the original Hulk movie that came out this year uh, or that year in 2004? You know, then uh, Eric Banner, you know, the the original Hulk that oddly hasn't been brought back at all for any of the Avenger films. And I don't know why, but it is what it is. So, um, yeah, I don't really recall. I got to watch that movie again because I don't really recall Jennifer Connelly's performance in that movie. And I've never seen The Missing. But, yeah, the, um, nevertheless, 2004 Saturn Awards definitely did the right thing by uh, giving Uma Thurman this award for Best Actress. Kill Bill also won at the 2004 Saturn Awards for Best Action slash Adventure slash Thriller Film, beating Identity, The Last Samurai, Cold Mountain, the Italian job and the missing. They definitely did the right thing again here. Um, like I said, the last time I was really good. The Italian job is great with Mark Wahlberg. I never seen Cold Mountain, and I never seen the missing. So they did the right thing here again. So two for two. I wouldn't change any of those. At the 2004 MTV Movie Awards. Uma Thurman won for Best Female Performance, beating Halle Berry for Gothica, Drew Barrymore for 51st Dates, Queen Latifah for Bringing the House Down, and uh, Charlize Theron for, um, what was it, Monster. So, I, I recently... I had to um, watch. I, I knew Monster was out there, and I and I recently had to watch it for one of my classes back in. Um, I was at Georgia State for one of my criminal uh, justice classes, and honestly, that movie was pretty good. And I have this whole list that I just read. I feel like this is the only performance that um really stuck out to me and could really keep up with Uma Thurman. I guess I guess in this category, no disrespect to to either to the to the other 
nominees. I mean, Drew Barrymore definitely was was fun to watch. Fifty First Dates, um, Africa, definitely a good. I guess what well, like horror film. Oh, but Halle Berry did her thing in that movie. Um, but I, I just have to, just just nobody was touching Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Just nobody. I would probably, I, it would be, it would, for me, I would definitely give a, a strong, like if, if Kill Bill was made the next year or the year before and it was just Queen Latifah for being on the house, Halle Berry for Gothica, Drew Barrymore for 51st Dates, and uh, Charlize Theron for Monster. I would probably give it to Charlize Theron. Like, you guys, like everybody in the world knows, Charlize Theron is so beautiful. And they were, and like, they were able to make her um, less attractive in this, in, in Monster. She just, she does not look like Charlize Theron at all. She looks completely different. And then her acting is on point in that film. Like everything is great. So definitely Monster would have won if if um Kill Bill wasn't made in this year. Also, at the 2004 MTV Movie Awards, uh Kill Bill won Best Fight, beating Dwayne Johnson versus the Contiki Rebels in the rundown, Queen Latifah and Missy Pyle in Bringing Down the House. I don't really remember a fight scene being in that movie, but okay. The Matrix Reloaded with Keanu Reeves and um, Hugo Weaving where, like, you know, he's fighting uh, the agents. And then um, X2, X-Men United, Hugh Jackman and Kelly Who. And then, um, like I said, our winner, Kill Bill, Uma Thurman, taking out, was it again? I believe it was the scene where she fights Gogo. Yeah. So it's the scene where she fights Gogo. And that was a great fight scene. And definitely no arguments there, too. So, this, I mean, like, all the fight scenes, I, I guess, like, the closest would be, um, I don't know, give it to the Matrix. Matrix is, the Matrix Reloaded, per, uh, excuse me, which is um, a great film, but to me, Definitely, Kill Bill has the better fight scenes. And I believe the last award that it won at the MTV Movie Awards. So it won three. Um, and like the last award it would win is Best Villain for Lucy Liu, who plays Oren Ishii. Um, definitely, yes. I mean... In this category, we have Demi Moore in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. We have the sniper from Phone Booth, I believe. And um, then we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in here. And Pass of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl. So, ooh, looking at this list, I got to rethink about this. Mm, yeah, 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 I'll give it to Lucy Liu. I'll give it to Lucy Liu. But if... This movie wasn't, like I said, if this movie didn't exist, best villain would definitely have to go to, in my opinion, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because he, he, he played he played a, um, Andrew, I don't even know how to say his name, Andrew Byronarski played a real good um, Leatherface in this film. So, 
definitely would give it to him. Give give it to him on this one. If Kill Bill didn't exist, but that's how great Kill Bill is, man. I'm telling you guys, if you have not seen Kill Bill, you know what I'm about to say. If you have not seen any of these movies that I ever present, I need you to pause it. And I need you to go watch them, even if they're the bad ones, because there are going to be some bad ones coming up coming up soon in the near future in this podcast. But for now, we have like uh, we, right now. I would say I would rank my movies that I've been that've been on this um podcast series from decent to to pretty damn great but nonetheless if you haven't seen this movie you need to stop this and you just need to go watch it or if you want you can continue to listen and then go watch it either or but nonetheless you still have to go watch it so what makes it stand out the visuals are amazing the story of revenge in this movie is unforgettable. Like I said, you have these great, amazing characters that also stand out. Um, and, you know, you have an assassin going up against another team of assassins or going back to get revenge on a team of assassins. Like, bro, that's, that's hard. That is so hard. Um, But... Continuing with what makes it stand out is like the amazing characters, you know. They're they they not these are characters. Um, they all stand out so great. Um, they are all part of the deadly international Viper Assassination Squad, or short for Diva. And um, I just love how in this film. How, how after this event happens, that their lives suddenly just alter or change, uh, respectively change into their different courses. Like, you know, we have, we have Vernita Green, who um, starts up a family. We have Oranishi, who becomes the head of the Yakuza. Which is pretty insane because, what she's half Chinese and half Japanese, so that's kind of tough. Um, little, little bit off, but you know what? I ain't gonna say nothing because Quentin Tarantino's world. You do what you want to do. I respect it, and I'm all all on I'm all in on my support. Um, we have Bud who took like a real nasty turn. I mean, part of the part of like the world's deadliest assassination squad and then a couple years later becomes a bouncer at a like at a the bouncer at like what a rundown stripper joint where there's like have no no customers at all whatsoever so yeah this is like I said it's just so interesting how these how the lives of everybody just alters and of course, the last thing that makes it stand out to me is that it's a Quentin Tarantino film. Point blank, period. That's all I need. That's the only thing that'll make it stand out. Moving on to Tales from the Script. In the final fight scene between the bride and Ornishi, Orn was supposed to have her head cut off, but they changed that so that 
Oren will be able to tell that the sword that um, the bride has is a Hanzo Hattori sword. Now, before I continue, I just want to say about the, um, this whole thing. Let me dive into it just a little tiny bit. Hanzo Hattori swords. The famous man that, that made uh, the, the, the instrument that the bride uses, Hanzo Hattori, right? This man took a blood, blood oath to never make another instrument ever again. And the bride comes back. You know, she awakens from a coma. She... um. First person that she gets on the list is Vernita Green, crosses her name off, then goes to Japan to go take care of Oran. But before she does that, she needs to go get a sword made. Uh, Hanzo Hattori says, or oh, Hanzo Hattori, I think it's Hattori Hanzo. My fault. Hattori Hanzo. Don't get at me, uh, fellow, fellow um, Kill Bill fans. I didn't mean it. Hattori Hanzo, right? He made a blood oath not to, not to make a sword, yada, yada, yada. He's, um, but then the bride comes back. She tells him, I need the sword because I'm going to go after one of your students, Bill. But she doesn't even say Bill. She just says, I'm going after one of your former students. And he already knows who it was. He writes his name on the window. And then he's like, I'm going to make you a sword. You can stay here. You can stay in my uh, rundown sushi bar for now. Because he owns a sushi bar. He doesn't want to make no more. He doesn't make no, any more uh, swords. So he just runs a sushi bar. She pops up. They have that whole conversation. And then he he says, it's going to take me a month to make this sword. In the meantime, you can just stay here. And I suggest you start practicing because your ass is rusty. So they make a whole sword and that, that whole speech is just is just beautiful about like the whole they have like a whole ceremony that he's given up the sword or that he's given up his oath to make this sword and he has such a great speech about revenge and um I'm going to dive into that a little bit more into my top five because I have that in my top five. So carrying on with the um with the tales from the script, pretty much to um to short to shorten it to keep it uh sweet, simple, and short. All the Hattori so uh Hattori Hanzo swords are a big deal in this world. So they they um Wanted to Orenishi know that she got killed by a Hattori Hanzo sword. Next, next fact or next script, next tale, whatever. Uh, Robotussin. All right. Tarantino and company use fake blood-filled condoms to create the burst of blood you see on screen. I forgot why the reason was. I looked it up and I was going to write it down, but I forgot. But it just makes the blood look better or squirt out better. I don't know. 
Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino is a weird, a weird guy, but I support weird, and I likes it. So we're going to keep rocking with it. The movie was put on hold because Uma Thurman got pregnant. Quentin Tarantino pays homage to Bruce Lee by making the bride wear a yellow jumpsuit. And obviously, if you're a real kung fu fan, martial arts movie fan, um, Bruce Lee fan, you can automatically tell where Quentin Tarantino was going with this when he made uh, Uma Thurman wear that yellow jumpsuit. But for, you, for those of you that don't know, he was paying homage to Bruce Lee by, wear, by making the bride wear this yellow jumpsuit. Bruce Lee wears a yellow jumpsuit in the movie Game of Death, which also stars Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And I have like that one famous scene of him fighting Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But yeah, you should definitely check out Game of Death. That's a great film. My personal favorite Bruce Lee film, though, is uh, End of the Dragon. I have that on Blu-ray, special edition, and I have it on DVD. So that's how, that's how you know it's real. Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, and Burt Reynolds all passed on playing Bill. Now, I'm glad Jack Nicholson and Burt Reynolds passed, but I would definitely like to see Kurt Russell or Mickey Rourke play this role, play the Bill role if David Carradine wasn't available to play Bill. So, or if they had even, I don't even know if they went up to David, if, if, uh, well, apparently Quentin Tarantino did if, if all four of these things passed up. I, I do want to know if they regret it, though, because, like I said, this movie's an ultimate smash hit. It's a standout film. Approximately $60,000 of the movie's budget was used on swords and sword accessories. Yikes, 60000 It don't matter, because they made that back within the opening weekend, and then some. It took six years to write the entire script before being split into two parts. Um, I think part of the reason why it took six years is because of Uma Thurman being pregnant, but I'm not too sure. But yeah, it took Quentin Tarantino six years. The uh, finale, the big, huge um, showdown at the House of Blue Leaves took eight weeks to shoot. And lastly, this is probably my favorite one, the RZA, who I think is the head guy of the Wu-Tang Clan, composed the soundtrack for Kill Bill. And the um, I keep forgetting the name of the uh of the music within the film, but he did that too. I I forgot the name. I'm sorry about that, folks. I learned that I learned that too in college. Can you believe it? All right, we're moving on. We're going into the top five now so I can explain what's going on with uh, Hattori Hanzo. Okay, but let's get into a number one. Let me get to the number one, though. Number one on my top five is The World of Kill Bill. The World of Kill Bill is amazing. I love it. That's in my top. That's in, that's my number one right now. Or that's in my top five. Um, I love The World of Kill Bill, how assassins are are getting revenge on other assassins. And you know, it's just, they're easy to get away with whatever they want. And to me, that's just incredible. Like, you know, um, shoot, they weren't like, in the beginning of 
kill of this movie. We see the police officers pull up to the crime scene. And um, they see they see everybody that was participating in this uh, wedding rehearsal all get murked. And they have no leads. They have nothing. They don't know nothing. And I thought that was pretty cool. They didn't, they didn't even know who um, Uma Thurman's character was on the ground. You know, they they found some name, and then and then one of the cops was like, "Yeah, that's a bogus name." So who who is she really? And they don't know anything. So I'm like, "Dang, you guys can just get away with whatever," and that's that's insane. It's kind of like it's kind of cool to be free like that. So I guess like in a dark twisted way, it's kind of cool to be free like that. Let me take that back or rephrase what I meant by that. So, anyways, it's just incredible to me. My number two, the vibrant visuals and colors of the film. Um, it, it just so so much bright colors. I, I I love it all. I even love the scene. It's like a specific scene in the um, near, while she's fighting the crazy eighty eights, um, at the house of blue leaves, in which she um, there's like a scene where like they're in a room. And the lights go off for a quick second, and it's just it's just dark shadows fighting against each other uh, in this um, blue lighted room, or this the scene is just straight up blue with dark figures fighting each other. I, I, I enjoyed that visual; it looked very nice, and also the the final scene in which Orenishi and the bride finally fight each other and they confront each other and um they're fighting in the snow. I thought that was a really good visual too. I, I love I loved all I loved it all. I loved it all. Great visuals, great colors within the visual within the movie. Awesome. My number three. We get in, we get into it now. The intro to Hattori Hanzo. That scene is so amazing and it's so great. Like I said earlier, he's a retired swordsman. Hattori Hanzo is a, is a retired sword craftsman who vowed to never make a sword again, but breaks it. And, you know, he, he breaks it and then makes a sword pretty much for, for the bride. All she had to say was Bill's name and that was it. So... While um while the ceremony, I believe, yeah, I think it's during the ceremony, he gives a great speech about revenge, saying, revenge is never a straight line. It's a forest. And like a forest, it's easy to lose your way, to get lost, to forget where you came in. Tough, boy. That is tough. Amazing. I love it. I wish I could have seen more Hattori Hanzo or... Shoot, Quentin, if, if you ever get a chance to come across this episode, I, I, I'm going to need the movie, man. I'm going to need the uh, spinoff Hattori Hanzo movie. I need to know how he did his thing, when he did his thing, here, there. You know what I'm saying? So let's do it. Um, But another another little fun fact, because I, I found this I found this out um, while doing my research for the movie, but Hattori Hanzo was a real person. Yeah, yeah, he was a real person. Um, existed in 
uh, was born in 1542 and died in, and then died December 23rd, 1596. Um, he was a famous ninja for of the Sengoku era who served Tokugawa clan as a samurai. So he was a ninja slash samurai. I mean, I find this guy, I, I, I thought it was, um, very interesting. I wanted to share that with y'all. So yeah, moving on to the rest of my top five. I like the, I guess, intro to Ellie Driver when she's walking down the hallway in the hospital and she's whistling the song that So sorry about that. I can't even whistle right, but shoot, that song is just the way that sounded, man. I, I, I liked it. I like the whole build up to it. You know the the way it kept getting the scene kept building up more and more and more. And you're like, oh shit, what's about to go down? And then she walks into the bride's room with that with that mysterious uh poison, I guess, injected needle, and we're like, oh my gosh. And right when right when she was standing over the bed and she about to kill uh. The bride, she stopped, she stopped by by a phone call from Bill, and he calls off the mur- the murder, saying, "You know, if she lived from that hell of a beating that you guys gave her and that shot to the head, then she deserves the right way to, I guess, die. And she's not gonna die like a, we're not gonna kill her like a rat, like a thief in the night, some some stuff like that. So, I respected Bill for that, and yeah, that was tough. I like that a lot." And my last top five, my number five, I put, I basically basically combined it two into one. The fight scenes, the bride versus Copperhead and the bride versus Orenishi and the Crazy 88s, also known as Showdown at the House of Blue Leaves. Let's be, I'm going to go ahead and start off with the Bride vs. Copperhead scene first. Because, you know, like I said earlier, Vernita Green, a.k.a. Copperhead, has, la- has left the assassin life. And she started a family, you know. So, we see um, the Bride pull up to her house, knock on the door. And Vernita Green is thinking that it's one of her friends or something. But she opens the door and she sees that it's the Bride and I'm like that. That uh, I guess song goes off. That something like that, and they just go at it. Boy, they start throwing balls. Not one word said it to each other, and that's such a great fight scene. Then you see a school bus pull up, and I guess that's that's when everything starts to click. That um about. The bride finding out that Bernita Green has has now has a family, but I think she's been on that she has a family because, you know, in the in the hall, like in the kitchen, Bernita Green's trying to convince the bride to not kill her and to say that she's that she regrets doing what she did and that now she has a family. And the bride was not having it at all. She's like, "Oh, you think this is re- you think this is revenge? No, me." Me having revenge would uh 
would be me killing your husband, then killing your daughter, and then killing you. I'd say that's I'd say that's uh pretty square. That's even Steven. I'm like, damn. So, you know, they have that whole conversation going. And um Vernita Green tries to kill the bride while they're having this conversation by ha- by having a gun inside the cereal box and shoot her. She, uh, she tries to sh- she shoots her, but she misses. And then the bride throws a knife into Vernita Green's chest, killing instantly killing her. And when she falls down, she sees that her daughter saw the whole thing happen. And I guess like this is what this is loosely the conversation that the bride says to the uh the daughter or Vernita Green's daughter saying, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen in front of you and when you're grown and if you want your revenge, I'll be ready. Something like that. And that was tough. I gotta say that was tough. That was cold blooded. But you know she but you know she gotta be cold now because they took everything away from her, even her baby, her unborn baby that she don't know nothing about until until part two come along. But hey, I'm gonna say that for next time. I'm gonna say that part two for next time. And then finally the showdown at the house of blue leaves is just the, one of the greatest fight scenes of all time. I mean, you got the bride taking out the whole gang of the crazy 88s, chopping off limbs. Te- She's still somebody's eye at one point, uh, slicing people left and right. She she uh chopping other people's swords with her sword. I'm like, dang, that's how that's how powerful a Hattori Hanzo sword is. Okay, so. Yeah, man, she cutting off limbs and shit. I mean, this this is like a whole epic showdown going on. And then finally, she gets to Orenishi. And um, while I was doing my research too, I found this very fun, like very interesting, not funny, but very interesting. That before the fight happens, Orenishi's talking about, "I hope you have plenty of energy, otherwise you won't last five minutes." And Orenishi puts up a real good fight. But um, she was technically right because at the end of it, the bride is basically done. Um, and they actually timed it. And it was four minutes and I think 59 seconds or 57 seconds and um, a couple seconds more. And if Oren would have lived in a couple seconds more, then she probably wouldn't have lasted that fight. But um, during the whole time, she's... Or any she doing the whole time, um, she, uh, what the bride is fighting the crazy eighty eights or something like that. She's been she was mocking her the entire time. They go outside, they mock, and then she um she finally she meets Orenishi outside in the snow, and Orenishi is very impressed with the weapon she used, and the bride says, "This is a Hattori Hanzo sword." And Onishi is surprised. She's like, "You lie! That ain't no Oren. That ain't no uh, Hattori Hanzo sword." And she shows him that she shows her the emblem, and you know they start fighting. During the fight, she's mocking her, and what the bride lands like a real good fatal blow with her sword, and. 
you can tell Owen is on her like last legs, and she's like, I guess like before like the last final seconds of the fight, she says she apologizes. She says, "I want to apologize for mocking you earlier." And then they then they begin the fighting again, and then that's when she gets scalped, and her last words were, "That really is a." Hattori Hanzo sword. So that's just a tough scene, man. Lucy Liu did her thing in this movie. She did her thing. She did her thing. She did her thing. And that's my top five. So to recall or recant the world of Kill Bill, number two is number one. Number two, the vibrant visuals and colors of the film. Number three, the intro to Hattori Hanzo. Number four, the whistle song, the whistling song, or the Ellie Driver intro whistling song. And, oh, my fault. That was number, oh, no, no, my fault, my fault. I'm, I'm stuttering here a little bit. And number five, this is where I threw myself off. Number five, the fight scenes of the bride versus Copperhead and the bride versus Oranishi and the Crazy 88. Sorry about that, folks. I'm throwing myself off a little bit. But we're moving on to the next category. So let's get let's get it going. Does it deserve a sequel? It already has one. And I'll dive into it more when I get to that, when I get to that episode. But I would really be interested in watching a spinoff and seeing the deadly international Viper Assassination Squad as either a TV show. Or a series, or a movie about them, but and this is a big ass but, it has to be directed by Quentin Tarantino and nobody else. You hear me? Nobody else. Hollywood Shuffle. So before I do this Hollywood Shuffle, I just want to say this. This will be the same exact Hollywood Shuffle that's going to be on Kill Bill Part Two. Because, you know, we got to do it the right way. And I really only focused on the assassination squad. So without further ado, the Hollywood Shuffle. We have, as the bride, Beatrix Kiddo. Or, who, um, you know, Blase Blase. So many names she has in this movie. The, the, the lead. Lupita Nyong'o. That's a bride. That's what I want. Kurt Russell as Bill. Since he passed it up, I'm going to go ahead and go back to him. I need him to play as Bill. I want Tessa Thompson as Vernita Green. Scarlett Johansson as Ellie Driver. Satomi Ishihara as Oren Ishii. And give me Matthew McConaughey as Bud. So, that's it, folks. That's it. That's the show. We ain't got no more. Next episode is a Thanksgiving special. Where I cover two Thanksgiving movies. Or two special movies that hold certain certain special memories. Seven Private Ryan. And Goodfellas, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next episode.